impacts in the day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. If you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you'll find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. I'm excited to get some wind in our sales in our sales today from, uh, speaking of sales, our guest, Nathan Lancre, entrepreneur, businessman, uh, president, CEO at J Auto Group. Nathan, thank you for being on the podcast, brother. I appreciate you inviting me. It's uh, very kind of you to uh, take the time and have a conversation with me to kind of see where things go. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to jump into the conversation. But before I do that, I always make sure to uh, give the guest an opportunity to address the audience without my interference, without me messing it up and, and introduce themselves in their own words, maybe speak about what's what's near and dear to their heart. So uh, I'd love to give you the floor, give you the mic and, and you can address the audience uh, really quick and tell them who you are, how you got here. All right. So uh, again, Nathan Lankry and, you know, Grew up in the Midwest, uh, part of here in the United States, out uh, of uh, Northeast Ohio. And uh, here I am to have a conversation with you about uh, some of the ideas that people have um, and how to connect dots. Right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, if you use a metaphor of one through 10, sometimes people have you know, step one through six figured out. They can see what number eight and number 10 look like, at least from a place in their fantasy. And they don't know what seven and eight looks like. And they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I get to that next level? What do I, what do I really need to do to get to that next place in, in, in my life? Okay. Well, my, my idea would be to ask is, well, what is that? Number one, what does it really look like? Right? Not what you think it looks like, but what does it really look like? And what I, what I recognize sometimes in, in trying to fill in that space and that gap is what you idealistically see is really not what it actually is. So you're looking for something that doesn't even exist, right? So you're, you're in other words, you're looking for the moon at uh, 11 o'clock a.m. And you're looking for the sun at 11 o'clock p.m. Mm. And it doesn't, it doesn't exist, right, in, in, in these areas of, of the country. See? So what are you looking for and is it realistic? So my thinking is, and and, and some of the ideas I like to talk about are how do we see the truth, whether we like it or not. And that that's that's kind of the difficult thing to do because with that truth comes a lot of rejection. And rejection is not an easy pill to swallow. You know, mm. we place so much emotional value on who we are as a person relative to what we accomplish on the outside. You know, the people that are sitting on the sidelines, you know, our fan base you know, fanning our flame and applauding us and what a great job we did. Mm. Okay, it, it's it's a fleeting moment. The idea is, what is it that you really want to accomplish? What is it you really want to do? And what I find in a lot of my interviews with people, and, and as I wrote you know, a few of my books, especially Foresight's 2020, and also The Mercury Mind, what I find is that people really don't know what they want. Yeah, They think they know what they want. They have a desire. They, they have this this undescribable sensation in their soul that just kind of knocking at the door to 
come on through and welcome the world, but they really don't know what it is that's going to scratch that itch. You know, they, they just, they haven't taken the time. What was it? Cause I, I want to sit there, but you know, just kind of pulling back the curtain for folks listening, you know, high school dropout to now CEO in Northern Ohio of an auto group, right? What did the, the young Nathan want? And, and does it change over time? Because I think a lot of folks, we, we get prescribed desires through life. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want the, the house, the white, the, you know, white picket fence, the dog, the two, 2.5 kids, mm -hmm. two cars in the driveway. Sure. Why? Right. Um, well, I think you said it best prescribed, right? So when something's prescribed is coming from someone who quote unquote thinks they know better for you. Mm -hmm. Someone that thinks they, they want to live their life for you. Sometimes they do it vicariously because they didn't have enough courage within them to do it. So now they're grafting it on you, using you as a test dummy to see if you can live out their dream, only for them to resent you through jealousy and envy in the future. It's a double-edged mm. sword. So you have to be really careful how you succeed and who you share your success with. Mm. So there's a whole other piece to that that we can get into in a little bit. I'm interested to know, I guess, a little bit of your story, how, how you transitioned from you know, high school dropout, manual labor, working your way up, because I imagine it took maybe some shifts in mindset along the way and, mm -hmm. and maybe, maybe a perspective that most probably didn't have. I don't know if I understand the question. Um, I so, think I understand what you mean, but I want to be clear on it because this is you know, out of respect to your show and your audience. I want to make sure that I understand the question. Yeah, so absolutely. I can answer it appropriately. Yeah. I'll say it like this. What was it in terms of uh, the high school dropout, Nathan, that took you to where you are today? I think a series of things happened to me when I was about eight years old. Okay. Right? So I go back to eight years old and I, I remember uh, a couple ideas around, you know, my, my grandfather was, was someone that I love very much in my life. He was an amazing human being. The guy who worked in a factory, he died of cancer from the factory that he worked in. And he worked in this factory. <clears throat> he made very little money, but he did it every single day. It was like Groundhog's Day. Come in, you work the factory, go home. Come in, work the factory, go home. Okay. He came from that industrial age. But he was someone, again, that I really had a tremendous amount of respect for. And I remember we were uh, traveling down 271, which is the local highway here in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I was sitting in the back seat. And my mom was in the middle. And my brother was on the other side. And my grandfather was driving. My grandma was in the front seat. And my mom and I were talking. She's asking, what do you want? I want for lunch the next day for school. It was a Sunday. And um, I said, I don't know. And my grandpa started saying, well, yeah, I have a lunchbox too. I'm going to pack my lunchbox. And um, I said, well, I have a lunchbox. And then my grandma chimes, yeah, he has a thermos too, Nathan. And he takes the thermos and the sandwich and everything. And I said, I got a thermos too in a sand. And it hit me right there. I was eight years old. I said, wait a minute. How is this any different than what I'm doing now as my grandfather's doing as a grown man? And I, then I hear him say, yeah, I got to go to work tomorrow and I don't want to go to work. I'm like, well, I don't want to go to school. And I started connecting these dots. Like, I don't want to go to school. You don't want to go to work. I have this lunchbox. You have this lunchbox. I have a thermos and you have a thermos. I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that this could be life. And that means this is what I have to look forward to. It's just another extension of what I don't want to do. Mm. So at that point, I said, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. I was eight years old. 
That's powerful. So at the age of nine, I started, so at the age of nine, I started working, you see. And I did manual labor because there was a guy that I went to school with. His father had a little construction company, and I'd go work on the job site and, you know, clean up wood or, you know, clean things up for the guys and everything. And I learned a lot from the guys, what to do and certainly what not to do. And at this point in my life, <clears throat> I was about 12 years old, and there was this guy that came out of uh, jail for murder. He killed a guy, and uh, he uh, was in for uh, it was said sort for drugs. He was a bad drug dealer, went bad, took a guy's life. He was in for about ten years, and he came out and uh, he looked at me. And we were in this uh, basement of a new home, you know, shoveling uh, slag. It's like a certain type of gravel. We're spreading it out through the basement before the concrete man came to put a concrete floor in the basement. Right, and he looked at me. And he says, you know, it's not too late for you. He said, it's too late for me. I said, I'm a grown man. I got a criminal record, one that I'm not proud of. But a guy like you, you got a clean slate. What are you doing here? Get out of here. Go do something with your life. And that's why I'm doing something with my life. You know, I'm making my way. This is just part of a process. He says, but look where you're at, man. You're in the basement. You're not even on ground level. And I said, yeah, well, you got to start somewhere. Mm. He said, look, man, it's time for you to wake up, find something to do. So that, anyway, that conversation dragged on for the rest of the day. And, you know, really planted a seed in my head. And I thought, you know, maybe he's got an idea, you know? So as I, as I kind of grew in my head, I realized at some point, you know, the school idea, this whole model of, coming and going and just doing all these different things. It just really wasn't for me. And then backing that up with, you know, doing something different. So I got in the car business. There you go. See? And yeah. then that kind of just, you know, took me where I, where I am today, kind of, <laughs> but what uh, it was, it was a lot, of, a lot of trials and tribulations, you know, and when you think different, and this is the, this is the idea. And this is kind of the message I want to deliver. When you think different, to many, you think wrong. When you think different, to many, you think wrong. Because they don't see it. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was, what they don't see is my opportunity. Because see, the more that people see it, the more competition you have. Mm -hmm. See, mm -hmm. the best way to beat competition is to be unique. Yeah. Best way to be competition is to be unique. Different so is then, better. Yeah, because when you're different, difference one thing. Unique is unique is the, is the is the is the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. You can have different, right? You get different groups of people. We see it today in our politics. There's difference everywhere, but is there something out there that's unique? No, it's just different. So you have you have mass groups of people broken out into to silos that are different. Yeah, you got the extreme right, you got the extreme left, and you got these pockets in between, right? That's different. Mm -hmm. Unique, unique is a unicorn. It's a Pegasus. See, so the idea is, how do I be unique? Not because I just want to be unique for the idea of, hey, look at that guy he over there. Hey, look at that girl. He, he's unique, right? She's yeah. unique. No, it's how you be unique in a marketplace that sees value. How can you be unique in a marketplace that sees value? They can't replicate it. So if they can replicate it, now you just become different. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. The idea is how do I become unique in a way that the, that the market sees value. And if the market could see value in this unique approach, now you have something that no one can take from you. Mm. Your unique offer, you're, um, you're in a market of one, pretty much. Mm -hmm. No one can compare you to anybody else. And right. I, I think the problem is, you know, biologically, we are wired to want to fit in. We're biologically wired to want to be part of the group, which probably a lot of folks listening fall into that category. Okay, so let, let's talk about that. That, that. That's a huge point you bring up in the biology piece. Yeah. Uh, and it's a piece that I love talking about. We're not biologically wired to want to be a part of a group per se. Mm -hmm. We're bio biologically wired to not be alone. There's a difference, mm. huge difference. Okay. So if we're biologically wired not to feel alone, we have to be able to recognize that within ourselves and recognize, am I willing to take that moment of loneliness, am I willing to take that moment of rejection as I started off my conversation at the beginning of your podcast? Can you handle the rejection? That's the really, that's the question. Can you handle not fitting in? Can you handle being the outcast? Can you handle everyone saying you're going to fail? Can you handle everyone saying you're never going to make it? Can you handle all these things? I can tell you that I do. I have and I continue to. You see, because that's part of being unique. Mm -hmm. So how we can how we can manage that is you have to look at the type of relationship you're going to have. When you think about all the people in your life, you have different relationships. If you're into a baseball game or a football game, let's call it any sporting event, you got a buddy that you go to and do this with, I'm sure, right? If you're going to go uh, to a place where you, you maybe you, you worship weekly, you got a buddy for this, right? There's somebody that you're going to these different places with. It's not a one size fits all. So the idea is when you have a driving fat force inside of you, it's professionally charged. Learn to be alone. Mm -hmm. Learn to be unique. Within your model of being unique, there's certain prongs within that model, within that dream, within that goal. If you really distill it down to its core essence, you then are going to find some overlapping qualities to what I'll call as a business standard. For example, accounting is a business standard. There's not much creativity there. Some people do get creative and they end up in jail. Counting is pretty simple. You bought a cost of goods. You sold it in a block of time. Either Your margin was either positive or negative, right? It trickles down to the, the body of expenses to a bottom line. Mm -hmm. That number is black and white. People want to create gray areas because they don't want to be honest with themselves and they fabricate financial statements. That's called creative accounting. You don't like that. There's no need to be creative in your accounting, right? Now you can consult with tax professionals and tax attorneys to find the most creative ways to either defer taxes or save on taxes through deductions that are legal and appropriate relative to the IRS standards. That's a different subject. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is what's generating your revenue, right? What's creating that body of expense? And what's generating that bottom line is a function of those two. So the idea is, how do I 
take this model? How do I take the creative spirit to drive that top line? Because where things start at the top, that's where things end up. So in other words, where things start is where things end. You can't change something midstream. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, how do, where do I start? What am I trying to accomplish? And why am I trying to accomplish this? And having a crystal clear, concise directive through what it is you're trying to accomplish, you can get there at the, it, in a very unique way. You mentioned earlier in the episode, um, you know, a lot of folks going one, two, three, up to six and mm -hmm. seven, eight, nine, and 10 could kind of look a little fuzzy or perhaps they might have some expectations or some unrealistic visions of that. Um, kind of, I guess, shining the mirror a little bit on you in terms of how your story played out when you started in the car business. Did you have your seven, eight, and nine planned out or was that a vision that became clearer as you got deeper in the numbers? So that's a great question. And the answer is no, it was not planned out because I knew if I planned it out, I would never get there. Mm. You see, if you plan this out, you're going to miss the opportunity because you don't have the experience yet. See, wherever we are today, that's, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's predicated on your life experience, your practical experience in the field you're in, and your emotional, and this is a key one, the emotional sense of self-worth, your emotional sense of self-worth. That is what is going to decide for you what is your fuel, your gas, your uranium, whatever it is it's going to be, your charging force, that's what's going to get you there. Hmm. You see, that's what gets you there. If you don't have that driving force within you because you feel worthy of it, not deserving, deserving is an entitlement, feeling worthy of it. When I hear someone say, well, I deserve it. First thing I think of, they either don't understand what deserving means or they don't feel worthy. Because mm -hmm. if they said they felt worthy of it, that's a whole different ballgame. Most people don't feel worthy and that's why they don't succeed. Mm -hmm. You have to feel worthy. Not because you were born, not because um, you're a minority, not because you have a certain sexual preference, not because of any of those reasons. Those are all outside factors. Because on the inside, we all look the same, don't we? That's where it comes from. It comes from the inside, not the outside. If I'm white, if I'm black, if I'm green, if I'm yellow, it doesn't make a difference. How do I feel on the inside? And do I feel worthy on the inside? in spite of what the outside may have tried to do to take that worthiness away. Mm. That's the piece that makes it all work. That's the piece that makes it tick. Do you feel worthy on the inside? That's number one. If you get, if you can answer yes on number one, you'll fill in six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 to a hundred all on your own, mm. but you won't get there until you feel worthy. When did you feel worthy? Eight years old. Mm. <laughs> it was just an eight. Or did you work on it? Well, it was a combination of things. See, I was always a different type of person, right? It was very unique in my approach on, on life. In other words, if I could go to a classroom filled with kids that are six, seven years old, and say, hey, tell me what you think about a circus. Tell me what you think about a carnival. Tell me what you think about... Um, you know, uh, uh, outer space. I'm going to get stories that will go on for days. Mm -hmm. I go to that same graduating class, right? And I go there 10 years later, and they're in 12th grade leaving. I'm not going to get the same story, am I? You see, as we get older, 
our parents, our loved ones, teachers, friends. Oh my God, you can't say that. That's crazy. Oh my God, you should never say that. How could you think this way? That's not true. No, 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 no. Whoa, hey, okay. So they like take all of these ideas and just start scrubbing them clean. Mm-hmm. And they warp your imagination. But yet, they don't. And here's where it gets tricky. They warp our ability to manage our imagination. Mm. Because see, that's where anxiety comes from. See, anxiety is future-based thinking on an idea that hasn't yet materialized. So you're anticipating something to happen. Maybe it's an airplane ride, right? How many kids are afraid to fly an airplane? A lot. No, little little kids. How many are afraid to fly in an airplane? Oh, little kids, not not too many. No. Adults, how many are afraid to fly in an airplane? A good amount. What happened? (laughs) What changed? Did the airplane change? Did the physics of flight change? No. If anything, flight safety is safer today than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. right? Standards have increased. Technology has improved. What's the fear? Imagination. Why? Because people have injected into us all along the way all the things we cannot do and why we should be ashamed to want to do those things. You see. So when you talk about biology, we're wired, we're creative folks. Mm-hmm. We're born to be creative. We're born to, to 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 create new ways. That's what we're born to do. Yeah. Kind of yet like- we're told in the school, you know, kids starts coloring. Or drawing an extra picture on this paper. No, no, color inside the lines. Color inside the lines. Why? It's somebody else's picture. I want to make my own picture. I tell you to color outside the lines. And don't worry. If, if the sky is blue in, in, in the image, it's supposed to be. And all of a sudden, I want to make it yellow. Make your sky yellow. Make the sun blue. Who says you can't? It's your mm. picture. It's your world. Make it what you want it to be. See? How do we apply that imagination to how we approach maybe our day jobs, maybe our business um, for anybody out there who's thinking, I've always seen things a little different, but I never knew how to apply it to what I'm doing. Just do it. Mm. You see, the fact that you've been asking the question implies that you worry about what other people are going to think because you're, you're more, you're more concerned about the end result of succeeding to say, Hey, see, I was right. My attitude is who cares if you're wrong? Who cares? So the the simple way to answer that is be wrong and be wrong as many times as you can and get used to losing, get used to failing and become comfortable with it. And once you become comfortable failing and you become comfortable with losing, no one can take anything from you. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the man who has nothing to lose is the most dangerous. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Never negotiate with a man who's got nothing to lose. where did you recognize in your journey that you were maybe starting to gain some traction towards uh maybe the identity in which you've seen yourself maybe towards the success that you might have been going for in life when was it coming together for nathan where you said okay this is fine i'd go back to kindergarten i'd say kindergarten I remember Miss mm-hmm. Fitzsimmons, she's my uh, kindergarten teacher. She was a sweetheart, old lady. I mean, obviously she's not around today, rest in peace. I think she was 70 years old back then. I swear she was. 
Yeah. I mean, she'd be in her hundreds today, you know. But um, it was funny. I was eating a, a piece of chocolate and an orange, and she was trying to educate me on the order in which to eat them. <laughs> I remember this. Okay. And I somebody eat them the way I want to eat them. Well, if you eat it this way, it won't be as bitter because of the, the acid and the orange. And I don't know why this stuck out in my head, but it was a meaningful moment in my life. And I think back to that. And from that moment on, I remember thinking I wasn't going to let someone tell me how to eat my food. <laughs> and, and I remember we had these pencils. We were learning how to write. And I remember I went to uh, my next door neighbor, Mike, he had a birthday party and the theme was football. And they gave me a pencil on the way out the door and it was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers pencil. Mm -hmm. But we had to use these thicker gauge blue pencils because we were just learning how to write our alphabet, right? And I remember thinking she wouldn't let me use the pencil. And I remember that moment. She said, go put it back in your box. It was like, a, instead of a locker, you had this like clear plastic box and your name on it and everything. And I put it inside the box. And I remember thinking, this isn't right. How is someone telling me what pencil I should use? If I write with this pencil or this pencil, they leave the same marking behind. Mm -hmm. But because it's painted a different color, it's the wrong one. I said, this is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. You see... If I went home and used that same piece of uh, uh, that same pencil on a piece of paper, and I turned it in, she wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. So why tell me what to do in that moment? And I said, I'm gonna hang on to this. I gotta hang on to it. I gotta hang on to it. And I fought for dear life forever to hang on to it. You see. And I watched it happen. I watched it develop through my process of being in school. It reminds me of. Uh... Good friend of mine, um, who uh, probably not by any coincidence is very successful in today's day and age. I went to Catholic school, and we had okay. a uniform, and <laughs> he switched out the laces on his on his shoes. The, yeah, they were yeah. prescribed shoes, and he had like bright red laces. And I remember the teacher and uh, went up to him. It's like that's a detention. You're supposed to wear a uniform. He goes, "Show me the handbook." Because there's, he says, there's nothing in the handbook that says I have to wear the uniform laces. I'm wearing the uniform shoes. Shoes. Bingo. I love it. <laughs> I, want, I, I want to meet your buddy. He's my kind of guy. Yeah. My uh, kind of guy. It reminds me what you're, you're telling me, because even to this day, um, he, he's a big proponent of he'll he'll read the contracts. He'll read the nuanced wording and say, hey, I can get away with this. Because it's it's within the confines of the law, the contract, or whatever we had agreed upon, but he has that creative approach to life. And to your point where, whether it's schooling, I would also maybe identify the fact that for a lot of adults, a lot of people listening to this podcast who work their everyday jobs, they've never gotten out of that programming. They've never gotten out of maybe that influence from others kind of drawing within the lines, you know, do what you're told. Maybe because they, like you mentioned, they worry about what other people think. They don't want to maybe rustle the feathers and they don't want to uh, maybe. But don't out. forget about, don't forget about the self-worth. Ooh. Okay. That's the idea. See, how do they feel about themselves? Do you think that's Are taken you, out? Oh, I absolutely. It's taken out because you're told all the time. Look, listen, I go, I want you to watch this next time you go to amusement park. Mm-hmm. I want you to hear how many parents say to their kids, I love you very much versus 
ah, stop, don't do that. Get over here. What's the matter with you? Don't touch that. Don't hit your brother. Oh my God, don't touch that. You touch it, we're gonna have to buy it. Oh my God, get over here, get in line. Mm -hmm. I mean, the negativity that I see come out of parents' mouths to their kids versus, hey, you're awesome. I love you. You're so smart. That's a great idea. Oh my God, look how creative we are that you, none of that happens. Their whole life, they're programmed to say how no good they are. They don't follow rules. And then the parents back up with, I love you. So they learn that love is be told what to do, how, how everything you do is wrong. And you live this life walking on eggshells like, like, like you did something wrong every day. It's conditional. <laughs> it's control. Mm. It both starts with a C, yes, but it's control. And why do the people want to control people? Because of fear. I want you to be successful, but only so successful. Comes back to competition. I want you to do just good enough, but not better than me. And it's unconscious. People, I've talked to people like, oh my God, that's crazy. I would never do that to my kids. But they do it and I watch them do it countless times. Mm. They hold their own kids back because they only want them to do just so well. Mm. Because... I mean, how many people really want their kid to outdo them so much that it makes them look like what? <laughs> Lazy or failures. Or, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't like it. These are the hard truths that people don't like. Yeah. They have a hard time with them. But if you want to ask what it takes to fill in that gap, it's that hard truth. Mm -hmm. And what's your worth? Do you feel worthy? And the answer is you don't. Not you, but someone doesn't feel worthy. That's why you are where you are. It's because if you felt worthy of it, you would crave in the like you'd crave oxygen mm -hmm. to get there. Mm. How do I know? Here's how I know. Because the people listening to your podcast, I would tell you 99 out of 100 are not homeless. They're not broke, but there are plenty of people that are homeless and broke. So why are these folks? above that line because they feel worthy enough to be at that line mm -hmm. so the trick is how do i feel more worthy i was just going to ask you that question if if i'll put myself in that role right let's say i'm not where i want to be and perhaps it's because i don't have that, that no, you're not you're not where myself. you wait, wait, or wait, i'm not where i not, feel worthy of being no you're not where you think you want to be so let's leave that open yeah so the number one thing is you want to leave it open. I'm not where I think I want to be. Mm -hmm. Not where I want to be. Where I want to be, paint yourself in a corner. Where I think I want to be takes you to a corner, but you can walk out of the corner. See, give yourself some flexibility because you're mm -hmm. in a discovery process. So I would call it, you, you have to have a discovery process, a gathering process, and then a giving process. Like, what do you bring to the table? Right? Mm -hmm. Because everything works in a cycle. So the discovery is you're finding a bunch of information and then you gather the information you feel worthy of, of taking responsibility of, knowing that you're willing to deliver that with a great responsibility back to the environment. Because if you take, you must give. Mm -hmm. If you take, you must give. You have to give. The universe has laws. You have to give. If you don't give back, that's why I'm doing this podcast with you. Okay, I have to give. I don't want anything for it. If I sell a few books out of it, great. Okay, that's not why I'm doing this. And the books I, I wrote, it's not to sell a bunch to make millions. It's not the idea. The books are there to give. 
See, the books are there to give. It's my contribution to society for the people that feel worthy enough to get to that next level. Mm -hmm. It's a hard truth, though, to live. It's not easy. It requires a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. So I acquire that worth by, by discovery and gathering and maybe gaining competence and confidence, perhaps? No, that's a skill set. That's Those are the pieces that are going to be needed to get there. Okay. Okay. You have to have the worthiness. So where does the worthiness come first? You have to acknowledge yeah. that you don't feel worthy. You see, okay. that's the black, it's called blackmail. It's emotional. You're emotionally blackmailing yourself. Mm -hmm. When you begin to deflect, like, well, tonight I'm just going to go to the bar and have a few drinks. Okay, why? Because you feel like shit about who you are. And you want to go have a few drinks to numb that, 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 that knife that's stabbing you in the gut. Mm -hmm. Right. Or you want to use some uh, other type of method. I don't know what people do today. You know, there's a variety of drugs of choice, right? Whatever your preference might be. Now, in drug, I don't mean necessarily one that you're ingesting. When you listen to, you know, I look, I look at it like this. Take your five senses. Here's the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. You have five senses. What are they? You got your what smell, you your touch, your feel, uh -huh. your sight, your taste. Uh -huh. Okay. So when you take in information, if it's through taste, you're tasting, you're eating something, you're drinking something, you're ingesting something, right? When people think of ingesting, they're just thinking what they can bring in orally. Mm. How about what you watch and not what you listen to, what you feel, what you touch? If you, if you touch ice cold uh, items all day long, whether it's a, a mug that's cold or ice cubes, everything in the world is going to feel cold to you. Right? You, you touch something warm and fluffy and soft. You're going to feel it. Right? So the idea is that what we ingest through any of our five senses, and most of the time through a multitude, that's what we become. Mm -hmm. So when we naturally are drawn to things that we know are not good for us, that is your canary in the coal mine. That's your red flag. Mm-hmm that says, I'm worthy to this extent. See, worthy isn't an on and off switch. It's not I'm worthy or I'm not worthy. It's in between that scale that makes it difficult to detect mm -hmm. because we all fall somewhere in the middle or mm -hmm. somewhere in that zone. You see? I, I love that we fell on this because I, I, I saw you were in an interview and you mentioned the deconstructing of bad habits and it's almost like people regress and they fall into the vices the drinking or whatever sure. they're indulging in because they don't feel worthy of that mm -hmm. that image or the destination they might have set for themselves in their mind so they or, don't act or, as that or they have this idea in their head of where they should be and they're not there yet and they resent their life or themselves or the people around them that they're not there yet and that's mm -hmm. better known as jealousy and envy Mm -hmm. And that's where that jealousy and envy come in. It's a resentment within the self that we're not willing to take on the responsibility that we put out in the world. Mm -hmm. Oh, that guy's a jerk. Look what he did. Oh, he, he just got lucky. You know, that's how he got where he got, you know, and what he wanted. He just got lucky. Look at that guy. Come on. Yeah. That guy could never have done that on his own. There's yeah. more to that story. He probably won the lottery. I know that rascal. Yeah, he took a shortcut. I mean, he got <laughs> yeah, he took a shortcut, man. He got lucky. I, don't worry, he'll go to jail one day. He probably broke the law. You know, I mean, 
all these jealous comments that people make mm -hmm. because they don't, they can't get there themselves. Mm. And then there is a reality. This is a hard reality. Do you have a natural talent to get there? If you don't, recognize it. Because you're going to be miserable trying to get somewhere. Look, if you wanted me to join the ballerina and be the best ballerina, it's not going to happen. I'm telling you right now, forget about it. The show will never be sold out. Yeah. <laughs> okay? If you want me to go play uh, basketball as well as Michael Jordan or LeBron James, I got news for you. It's not happening. I don't have the talent. I recognize it. And you know what? I'm at peace with it. Yeah. It's okay. I don't have to be a basketball player. In high but school, every, I, I played. But football. everyone has. A, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No worries. I was. I was just gonna kind of to that point. I played football in high school, and I wanted to play college. Uh, my mom said I was too small, and it wasn't until maybe ten years later. I was covering the national championship with Clemson football. And I called my mom afterwards. I said, these kids are older than me as a grown ass man. You saved my life, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I had no business being on the football field. I right. did not have the the size or the talent. So you're, you're yeah. completely right to the hard truths that sometimes we need to hear. Yeah. You have to know your lane and stay in it and then feel worthy to travel that lane. Mm-hmm. You see, some a lot of times we want to be good at something because we're not worthy. And we think and we see how others recognize someone that can excel in that lane. So we think through our fantasy, if we were in that lane, that audience of people would make us then feel worthy. And it really mm -hmm. has nothing to do with that lane to begin with. In other words, like, let's say a guy wants to be a great salesperson. Okay, but maybe he's really not cut out for sales. But he sees how maybe cool this guy is and how he wins these awards and everybody likes him. He's the guy life of the party. They somehow or another think that if they become a great salesman like that, that they're going to get all those other advantages that this other person's receiving, not recognizing that, Hey, that guy is just born with a cool personality. You're not, he is accepted, mm -hmm. but he may not be able to, uh, you know, program software like this guy could, you see. So you got to know your lane. Mm -hmm. that's the other thing so worthiness and know your lane and see yeah. those two hard truths those 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 are the two things going to fill in every gap yeah know know your lane and have this sense of worthiness and know what your worthiness and if you if you want to feel worthy it, it's it's actually kind of an easy thing to do if you do it but it's hard if the discipline in doing is a hard part mm -hmm. if you don't feel worthy admit to yourself you don't feel worthy and you'd be surprised how quick you feel worthy <laughs> because it's just in your head. It's a fantasy. It's not real. Mm. It's not, it's not real. Show me where it's, show me, show me one place that you're not worthy. I want to see a truth that you're not worthy. Yeah. You can't um, show it to me. Can't identify that. <laughs> you can't, no, you can't, but, but there's places in your world. You feel that way. I promise you, if you dig in deep, there's places you feel that way. You don't yeah. have to disclose it here. But when you're in a room by yourself and you're honest with yourself, that's where you could disclose it. Mm -hmm. And I call that the naked test. Mm -hmm. See, and there's, there's, a, there's a platform for that to work from. But the idea is how am I going to recognize it within me, own it? Because see, it's the blackmail that keeps it alive. Yeah. See, it's the emotional blackmail that keeps it alive. If you, if you challenge that blackmail on the inside, it goes away. 
Absolutely. And it's not and it has nothing to do with anyone else. It has everything and only everything to do with the guy in the mirror. Complete ownership, looking at yeah. yourself. To your point right. there is the whole football scenario. I mentioned I was covering the national championship. I remember taking a picture next to the national championship trophy. Had I gone down the lane of football, I would have never gotten near the highest award for college football. Sure. But here I am in my lane in media as a, an anchor, a meteorologist, and I'm closer to it doing what I did than had I done the lane and what I thought I wanted to do. Outcomes the same. Have it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there you have it, right? See, and, and now you're watching the game and you're enjoying it without getting beaten up. It's not exactly. a bad deal. Yeah, standing <laughs> next deal. to these football players, like, man, you're tall. Good luck. <laughs> big, those guys are big guys. If you're not born this way, accept it. Just mm. accept it. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not six foot, you know, eight, 325 pounds. I'm not, you know, so it's, uh, if you're not born this way, don't, don't try to be something that you're not. I love it. Well, well Nathan, I, I think that's our time. I want to be respectful of your time. And I know there was mm -hmm. a lot of value given. So I want to make sure that the audience and, and those watching on YouTube still have a, a chance to, to pick up the books. I believe it's the Mercury mind and yours was foresight. 2020 was your previous book. That's how right. can get those? How can they get those titles? Maybe connect with you, follow some of the work that you're doing, and uh, find out more of your value. They're available on Amazon.com, and then I also have a website, NathanLenkry.com. I love that, and I'll have those yeah. links in the show notes for you. And uh, actually, one last question uh, before we wrap yeah. it up: What is something that? And this is usually the, the heavier question, but uh, what is something that you've seen or something that's happened to you that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Beyond what we discussed? It could be encompassing what we discussed or beyond what we discussed if you think it will bring more value. So reframe the question because I want to make sure I understand it. I think I understand again, but when yeah. I'm not clear on something. I'm... A, a significant event, whether it's something that happened to you or something that you've seen that kind of shapes the way you see the world as a man. Um, could have been something that we covered in terms of kindergarten when you were younger, that conversation with your grandfather, but... I believe there are times in life that stick out to us that almost shape how we view things. So betrayal in any mm. form or fashion, when you think you can count on someone and you believe in your heart of heart that you can count on someone and the per person lets you down, not because they made a mistake, but because your own feelings towards that person clouded your judgment to see the truth and their lack of character. Mm. And only until their behavior became the evidence that they're not for you and that they are actually against you. Mm. Those are, those are life, life shaping moments for sure. And it could be male or female. In other words, it could be a spouse, you know, your girlfriend or something or a wife, or it could be a coworker. Mm -hmm. Betrayal. Is, is the thing that really begins to shape and change the the prism of your life that you look out. Awesome. Nathan yeah. Lankry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the value. This has been a phenomenal and, and very interesting, intricate conversation. And, and I'm so glad that we were able to go there together. If you don't mind, I'm going to recap some of the nuggets you left along the way. Yeah. Because sure. I know a lot of folks are sometimes oh, maybe running, working out while they listen. And, uh, you know, one question is how do we see the truth? 
a lot of us don't see the hard truths in life, whether it's been programmed out of us or it's been maybe taught out of us throughout life as we grew up. And how do we feel worthy? Do we feel worthy of certain things? Uh, it's not too late for you. That conversation Nathan had in the basement uh, with, with the gentleman who got out of jail saying, hey, you know, I'm here. It's not too late for you. Whoever's listening, I'm willing to wager that it's not too late for you as well. It's, start, it's time to start finding worth in yourself and maybe building towards that life. Where things start are where things end. Taking a look at what you're putting in and how it comes out and also being unique in the world and being unique where creativity is allowed. We don't want creative financing, but understand that when you are unique, you are unlike any other. You are a unicorn, you are different, but you are your own. And being unique is good. Draw outside the lines, as Nathan says, why color in the lines? That's someone else's picture. It's time for you to craft your own. And I wasn't going to let someone tell me how to eat my food. If you think about it, how many things do we do in life that others has, have told us how to do? Others have prescribed to us throughout life. It's time to challenge some of those behaviors and maybe some of those habits. And maybe those habits are a way of numbing the gap between where you are and where you think you should be. And then using that emotional blackmail to find worthiness, become what you ingest, discover, gather, and give. Because if you take, you must give. And we are thankful for Nathan giving during this podcast. So hopefully you can find that worthiness inside of you. Nathan. Thank you again, brother, to the audience. Thank you for making Thank it. Thank you, the my end. friend. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. This has been amazing. Make sure you guys yeah. hit that like button, subscribe to catch a new episode each and every single week. Leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. And the best compliment you can give Nathan and myself is by sharing this with someone that you think will get value from it as well. But as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get back to the next day.